0: Good morning. Good to be with you all. Um, really excited to continue our series on the the Sermon on the Mount, and just yeah, some incredible, intimate teaching uh, from Jesus. Uh, I told myself I've gone on and on about having a child, and today I, I was I was going to have the goal that I'm not going to be predictable and talk about my new child and my my ser- first sermon back as a father. But just felt God like I felt the Lord saying, "You got to go there." So. On Friday night, this was a video that the youth group haven't been able to meet Joey because she's getting her vaccinations this week and you know the youth kids who knows what they've got. So this was how I've introduced them to her. So uh, here's a little video for Good you. Good evening everyone. This is Joey. Joey, do you want to say hello to everyone? Do you have anything to say to downtown and Cody? Do you want to say anything? You want to say anything? You don't have anything to say. Say hello. You've done so well with the 40-hour famine. Go team. Oh, do you want to introduce him to a friend? Who's this? Oh, hello, Mr. Penguin. Hello. Do you want to say hello to Mr. Penguin? Say Hello say hello. Joey! Do you like your penguin? Do you like Mr. Penguin? Okay. It's almost done. Well, say I love you all. Have a great night. Bye. Say bye-bye. Oh, bye Mr. Penguin. Bye-bye. A nice groan. It's time for you to go to sleep. Good night. All right. So uh, that's my daughter, Joey. She's uh, six weeks tomorrow. Uh, Very pleased to meet you. She's over there enjoying the sound of her own voice. Uh, But I found a way to include that into today. Uh, We're looking at intimacy. Uh, We're looking at intimacy and, and, um, I've heard that one of the terms used for us to understand the word intimacy is um, you can break it down into into you into me you see into me you see um, is intimacy and and often in our culture um, that's a real challenging um, aspect for us in Australia um, especially uh, for the typical Australian um, historical, man, uh, Australian man, um, to, to be vulnerable and to, to wear your tears. Um, things have, have moved a long way since then. But still, uh, I think um, a place of int- t- intimacy and openness is still a, a real challenge for all of us and particularly a challenge for the church. And um, so so Luke picked up uh, in Matthew 5, this this truth that Jesus spoke over all of us 2,000 years ago that, that continues today that that we are the light of the world. He himself was the light of the world, but he has declared that you, we are the light of the world. And he, and he declared that um, a light on the hill, a city on the hill cannot be hidden. And at our very core, as the center at Jurel, that's that's our belief. Jesus said it. It's a promise. We are the light of the world. And um, today, as we move into Matthew 6, and we look at the Lord's teaching on how to pray, I believe it's, um, it unlocks for us how we can stay in that light because um, the danger we have is that we put our light under the bowl and that we lose our core identity that we're the light of the world. Uh, and uh, the, the Bible kind of definitely teaches that that is the enemy's plan to, to kill, steal and destroy that identity so that you and I wouldn't walk with the confidence of Jesus and um, the confidence of sons and daughters of God and of the King. And therefore, our light suddenly gets real small. And so, yeah, the heart of today is to look at, well, if we're the light of the world, how do we keep that light burning? And, and what does that look like with our relationship um, with God? How, how can we have that from Him? And so, um, for me, as I began to look at the Lord's Prayer, um, and as we've come from this series um, where Jesus teaches these radical beatitudes about living from blessing, and about the, the, he's basically painting the picture of what he's going to do on the cross, giving up his life for all people means that you no longer need to earn um, God. You no, need, no longer need to earn Jesus and forgiveness and grace. The Pharisees, um, the religion of the day, um, Judaism, w- was built around rituals and the, the works. But, but Jesus, as we've been looking at the last two months, has, has um, taken that away and said, I'm not come to destroy it, I'm come to fulfill it, um, but I'm actually, I'm going to do all the work on the cross for you so that you can live out of blessing. You can live out of Genesis 1 and 2, that the work of sin is defeated through me. So turn to me. And so to sum all of that up, um, it's, it's, it's become a bit of a, a saying, but I don't think we talk about it as much anymore, that uh, we want to move from religion to relationship. Um, relationship with God um, without intimacy is religion. Um, With just church attendance, with just singing songs, with just coming to church once a week or once every two weeks or twice a month, that's religion. That's attendance. That's doing things. It's not relationship. Jesus left heaven. God gave up his son, intimately gave up his son, and came down to earth to speak relationship into us. Because there's a tendency for all of us to want to know how to please God, um, to want to know the rules and the way to get there and and how to do everything. And especially more than ever, these days you can go on YouTube and learn anything. Um, um, You literally can go on the internet and try and become a self-made millionaire. um, And people are doing it every week. And um, we like to know how to get there. And, and that's the temptation for us all uh, of religion, of, of trying to walk and become something. And uh, my journey uh, with religion, I, I got, actually, this came up on Friday night as we had a combined night at youth group. And I realized that um, I had fallen myself into following religion. Uh, my testimony in high school was that I lived two lives. I went to church and youth group, but that did not affect the rest of my life. That was mainly my immaturity, my hard heart, my ears, my stubbornness, Um, and I had fallen into religion. And it wasn't until I went on a gap year in year 12 that I found myself in Europe, um, exploring and traveling, and about to go to a Christian summer camp, that I suddenly realized I didn't really know God. Um, I remember an evening where I felt lonely, lost, I'd been out till 4am, and I, I still felt dissatisfied, and I realized... I began to cry out to God and I realized I barely knew Him. I knew a program, I knew a building, um, I knew a a great church, this church. um, But for me, it hadn't dropped into the heart. Um, And we've been looking at um, the Beatitudes that that really are about the heart. They're about our posture and our heart and our beliefs. And so um, for me, my experience, um, today we're looking at the Lord's Prayer. I've got a photo of a chapel here. And that's the Barker College Chapel in Hornsby. Um, And I used to have, by compulsory, had to attend chapel once a week. And we would walk in and we would all have to stand and we had to have memorized um, the Lord's Prayer. And so for me, uh, I didn't have a really personal connection with the Lord's Prayer. Barker, incredible school, uh, and there's some great witness of Jesus in there. But for me, I, I didn't quite connect on that level at school. And for the Lord's Prayer just became this, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will. And it was just this rope-learned prayer. And and there's a beauty um, to liturgy. Um, I respect the past and I love hymns. And there's ancient prayers that I try to still pray today um, that I want to learn from and I I respect. But for me, uh, the monotony of this in a group of people where it was kind of just forced and it, it just didn't quite breathe into me. And so... Um, this for me meant that I walked in a religion and, and not an intimate relationship. And so the, the question I have for us this morning is, is, I wonder where you're at. Have you crept back into some religion in your life? Um, or is there a vibrant, intimate, vulnerable, beautiful, honest connection with God today? And both are okay. There's no judgment in either. Because that's exactly what Jesus came to help us with. That's exactly why Jesus sent us the helper, the Holy Spirit, the comforter, to stir in us, to grow us, to mature us, and to help us move from from religion and and, and sinful habits of the past to move into a a, a daily relationship, a connection with God that, that He is real. And He can transform us and can transform things around us. And so, yeah, my heart today is is that that question, and it's confronting for all of us. Would you say that you have intimacy with Jesus? I just brought you into a little bit of intimacy with me and Joey. Um, you now know, kind of, you probably could have guessed that would be a, a daily rhythm for, for Joey and I. Um but this was the intimacy that the father, that the father in heaven was pursuing. And that's what he sent Jesus. And Jesus's teaching were all about that. And I could not ignore talking about the fact that um, for me, it's been a new encounter of fatherhood. And and the tears that I wept when that little child came forward, um, entering into that position as a father has changed me forever and connected me on a, a new level. Um to the, the fatherly love of, of Jesus. Um, and you don't need to be a father or a mother to experience that because I, I, I've i been preaching about the fatherly love for many, many years before, but, but that's just a recent new encounter f- for me. And, and some of you have or haven't experienced that part. Some of you are grandfathers. Some of you may have been great grandfathers or mothers. Um, praise the Lord for you. If you want to turn, if you have your Bibles, um, to, to Matthew 6. Just before we get to the Lord's Prayer, um, Jesus confronts, um, confronts the, the, the prayer life of the day and he talks to the disciples about the prayer rhythms that, that he had seen in the temples and in Judaism and in religion. And it's pretty confronting as he calls them hypocrites, the, the, the leaders, the pastors, the leaders of the day. He calls them hypocrites. And there's a real danger for us if we're to walk in the, the way of religion, that we're hypocrites. We stand for something that, that we don't live out, that we, we don't live out each day. And so if we, if, I've got the text on the screen. Um, from verse 5 we read, Jesus said, When you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray, standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Hypocrisy. None of us want to be hypocrites. Australia, we're very good at pointing the finger. Uh, we're seeing that on the, in the news. We're seeing that in leadership. We're, we're seeing that in our the very heart of Australian culture. Um, we're very quick. Already, everyone's looking down on Scomo, um, and, and maybe if people have rightfully have some opinions from his past. But what does our life look like? What? How are we living out? Um, confronting different um, political um, uh, schemes or or policies? Um, How are we loving and and, and, and reaching into the areas of society that we're passionate about? Or are we just sitting at home on our TV and, and telling everyone what we think about what everyone else is doing? That is the confronting nature of what Jesus is doing and we're so good at tearing down in Australia. Tall poppy syndrome, it's in the heart of Australia. We tear down so well. The church is called to build up. For years and years um, in our youth ministry and our youth team, still today in our young adults culture, we are constantly fighting this. Um, a culture of discouragement versus encouragement. And it takes years and years and years. And Australian culture is against it. And, and this is the very nature of what was happening for the Pharisees. Um, they were acting like they were the most um, spiritual, intimate people that just worshipped God with with all their hearts. And Jesus said, no, you don't. You've received your reward because you, you appear good to everyone. That's it. That's the only reward you'll get. And their destiny, unfortunately, for those who didn't have a heart to heart with God, their destiny would not be eternal life with Jesus. And instead, he says, no, no, go into your room, into a secret place and there connect with your father in heaven and then you'll be rewarded. This raises the question of reward, which is another challenging topic, I believe, for us as a church. Um, I think we've, we've talked about this year that in the day and age of prosperity gospel and, and pastors of L.A. that have planes and, and dollar bills coming out of their pockets, there's a reality TV show um, called that. Um, we are fearful of God's prosperous, loving, kind, generous nature. We never want to um, fall into saying that God will give you everything you want. So... Unfortunately, we can um, shy away from the fact that God does reward us. Uh, Right here, Jesus said to them, if you go somewhere quietly, I'll reward you. That may not mean everything you want, but if it's within his will, and we'll look into into what that reward can look like. But the, the number one reward is actually God. It's Jesus. The reward is intimacy. Into me you see. We, we have gatherings together to encourage our faith and our life and our relationships and our hospitality and our, our family. We're all one family and that is so important. But if this is all we have, Jesus says that's not enough. We have a call to have a personal relationship because Jesus personally gave his life for each and every one of us. He's chosen each of you. He's chosen each of us and he wants to reward us. And if you're going, oh, what about these rewards? If we think back to Matthew 5, the list of the Beatitudes, every blessed, um, everything that God wants to make us happy with is with the reward. He, he says you will inherit the kingdom of heaven. You will be comforted. If you show mercy, you'll be given mercy. If you sow peace, you'll be filled with peace. God created us as a reward, as a gift to reflect Him, to enjoy Him. God is a gift-giving God. His nature is reward. He's a giver. He's the giver of life. And it's Him who we can receive everything and anything. And when we begin to believe that, that's the kind of God that I want to make sure each day I'm spending time with. And I make time and sacrifice and find places and ways that um, filter that into my everyday life, my family's life, my marriage, my child, my home, my car. Um, I've got a list of rewards here um, if you want to search and seek for the kind of things that I've just been enjoying ever since um, I had a a baptism and life-changing experience on that gap year where I went from religion to relationship. It's taken a lot of time and work and I'm still growing in it. I still fall back into religion. But here's a list of just some key rewards that we can get. First and foremost is this relationship with our Father in heaven. With His Son, Jesus, who He gave up His life. And thirdly is with the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of Jesus, which connects us to the Father and Son in heaven. The Sermon on the Mount, I just shared some of the the blessed beatitudes, the beautiful attitudes and gifts we receive. Galatians 5 shows the fruits of the Holy Spirit that you receive in the spirit-filled life when we have a relationship with Jesus. If you remain in me, I'll remain in you, John 15, and the fruits of love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and gentleness and faithfulness and goodness and self-control, they flow into our lives and our hearts when we remain in him. They're the rewards we get. And what that means is if you're in a place of fear or worry, that's just a sign to go back to Jesus and say, help me. Take that worry and give me confidence. Take away these anxieties and give me peace. Take away anger and give me love. Take away frustration and give me patience. A dangerous prayer, but we all need it. And then there's the gifts of the Holy Spirit, the manifestation gifts of the presence of God, an intimate love language of tongues that we can receive in Jesus, angelic tongues. Receiving that gift was something that changed my life and helped build me up when even I feel I cannot preach or I'm unworthy to connect to God in a way that's beyond my head and my tongue but is from my heart to heart. The manifestation gifts of 1 Corinthians 12 are just incredible. Gifts of prophecy, encouragement, encouragement, healing, miracles. And then in Acts 2, the promise that that we all receive the Holy Spirit. All sons and daughters will prophesy and dream dreams and have visions. That's the kind of reward. That's a list that you and I can get anytime we want. But we don't just pursue the reward. First and foremost, we, we, we pursue the giver. We pursue Him. We worship Him. And we begin to see what he is doing, how he wants to grow us. And so from this rebuke comes reward and and a gift and a teaching that could change the church forever. And it did. And it continues today. Interestingly, in verse 8, we read, Your father knows what you need before you ask, but he loves you to ask. He loves us. Jesus taught, ask, seek, knock. He wants relationship. He knows what we all want. But if we don't ask, sometimes that can quench the relationship. That can stop God giving us. And He desires relationship. He wants to know us, He wants genuine relationship. And we know that's true because that yearning's in all of us. We all want relationship with others. We, we, no one wants to be lonely. That's a God given connection in our hearts that we all are made for relationships. And that's the same kind of heart that God has and wants with us. And so from here, um, I think one of the dangers we have is we don't really often like talking about our prayer life. We don't like asking people that question because it's so confronting, so vulnerable. But the place of prayer is such an intimate place that we don't want to confront it. But I think that's the very place that we get most attacked. We get most content because it's a lie of the enemy. Satan is the father of lies in John eight forty four, And the lie is that it's okay. Just stay in the rhythm you're in. Don't hunger for more. Don't thirst for more. And it's the same with our Bible reading. And it's the same with our worship. Um, as I look at the New Testament, as I've sat in it for years, I believe... Um, prayer, the Bible and worship are these three intimate places where we encounter God. And and God wants us to just stay wherever we are or wants to take them away. And we don't want to talk about them too much in our small groups or in our mentoring relationships or in our family or in our friendships. And that's how Satan numbs the church. We just remain kind of just humming along. But instead, the trajectory he dreams is that every day we're growing these, these places of intimacy. We can change each other and we need to. The biggest question I get asked in youth ministry and with young kids and, and also with teenagers and, and young adults and young leaders and, is, I don't know how to read the Bible. I don't really know how to pray. Not really sure what worship is. And I think deep down, we all kind of have that. I mean, I've studied this for 10 years and I still feel like that. It's the beauty and the mystery of the depth of the riches of of God and of heaven that is endless, that we pursue. But that question I get asked so often, that's the question we all need to learn to help each other with. You know, like I said before, you you can go on YouTube and, and learn absolutely anything, just about and, you know, I did a few Google searches yesterday and, and how to read the Bible, how to pray, all these things. And there's incredible stuff out there. Um, but isn't it funny that everyone's saying, I don't know how to do it. Um, but most people, you know, they, they just go onto the internet and learn. Or they'll go study it, or they'll go to high school or university or, or wherever, TAFE. And so again, I think is this, this, this blind spot that the enemy wants to numb for us as the church today. And that's why Jesus confronted this area. And that's why... Um, he taught them how to specifically pray as we get to the Lord's Prayer, which we'll break down as quickly as we can if, um, near the end of today. Um, for me, um, I've got a photo of a, a prayer chapel, which was the um, here on the water that's in Oklahoma. And it was this beautiful, quiet space that someone encouraged me to go to. And it became my first ever proper prayer. Um, regular secret place while I spent three months at this summer camp. And since then, I've created spaces wherever I go, whatever holiday, whatever house I live in, um, because I believe Jesus has taught to go to that secret place. And I learnt that only because someone said, where's your secret place? Where is it? You're in America. Where is it? You can't leave it at West Pennant Hills. That's not going to help you. Where's your secret place? That question changed my life. Another guy sat down with me and and he said, oh, what are you reading in the Bible? And I said, oh, I wasn't reading anything, Uh, 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 Ephesians. And he said, great, I'd love to read Ephesians with you. And I said, okay. So then this guy sat down with me twice a week for a few weeks and he read the book of Ephesians. And he said, well, so how do you read the Bible? And I said, oh, you know, I open the Bible, I read a few verses and I go, yeah, it's good. He said, interesting, interesting approach. He goes, let me show you how I read the Bible. And he began to show me an inductive Bible reading. If you don't know what that is, Google it and you will learn how to read the Bible. But it's basically pausing and asking questions. Why was this said? What did it mean? What did it mean for them? What does it mean for me? How can I apply that to my life? But someone taught me. Someone taught and discipled that. And that's exactly what Jesus has been doing in the Sermon on the Mount. And that's what we're called to do for each other. And if we don't do this for each other, we don't grow up. We don't mature. We just flatline. And that is the danger for the church in Australia. And it's the danger for us at the center here. We're a church of big vision, big dreams, big buildings. But if we don't keep going further into these places and help each other out, we will quench the Holy Spirit, we will slow down the growth and maturity of the body of Jesus, the gifts of Jesus, which we all have. And we're in an incredible season um, that's challenging, it's different, it's, it's transitional, but we have the body of Jesus. Pete has modelled that to us, that we are all important. We all have gifts, we all have voices. And I encourage us all to stand up and love one another, raise up one another grow up each other in this time as we continue to find who is God calling us to be. And so it was because someone took me through Bible reading, they pushed me into a secret place. And finally, Steve Frost is coming in a few weeks, but it wasn't until I met a man with a beard who could dance for Jesus that I truly was set free in worship. I've never met a man who could flap his arms, get on his knees, sing, hum, shambarachala, everything, he'll do it. He's free. He doesn't care. He's unashamed of the gospel, just like Paul, who wrote, I'm not ashamed of the gospel in Romans 1.16. And one day I asked him five or six years ago, and he told me that he just goes to a place of worship where it's him and God. And that's what matters. And he does that wherever he is. He doesn't change how he worships. A big problem for the, the, us young leaders is depending on the room and the lights, And what we've had for dinner and and who's in the room will determine everything. And there's, there's a part to that. But overall, it's about us being vulnerable and intimate and open before the Father, our Father in heaven. And these places of intimacy, I wonder what is God calling us to grow, to mature, to press into. Keep going into Matthew 6, the Lord's Prayer. Let's read it. Jesus said, this then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. It's probably a better translation. Not sure why I put debtors there, but roll with me. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. This was the prayer, it's a model that Jesus taught. It's called the Lord's Prayer. But Jesus didn't have to pray this prayer. He was the Son of God. So really it's the disciples' prayer. It's our prayer. And it's it's not that we have to pray it monotonously every day. But it, it captures the heart of every believer for every day. It captures the battle and the war we're in. And it captures the, the physical, the spiritual, the emotional, the relational Not religious, but relational posture that we all need to connect with God each day. Tozer, the great uh, writer, wrote that every prayer of ours should be praying the Lord's Prayer in some shape or form. Every prayer should reflect that. Tozer also writes that our prayer life is the measure of us all in God's sight, and that might sound like he's he's kind of like assessing us. God's not assessing us, but But if I want to have a a great marriage, I need to have some date nights with Emma. I need to talk to my wife. I need to grow a relationship with her. And that shows how much I love her. And that's the same with God. That's the same with our prayer life. And and, and that is the measure of of how God can get to know us and know our hearts and dreams that that He's stirring in us. This same prayer is in, in Luke 11. And it's actually one of the only things the disciples ask Jesus to teach them. It's not recorded that he said, teach us how to preach. Teach us how to walk on water. It's one of the only times that they say, teach us how to pray. And we read that in Luke 11, it was before daylight. We read that Jesus had been off in his own secret place, praying to the Father. And the disciples clearly had seen Jesus's life where he would go away and pray. And then they would see the miracles, the feeding, the walking on the water, the healing, the demons um, cast out. And they asked the question and they worked out, where does he get that power? How does that happen? And that's the question that I've been asking for 10 years because my dream is to see the kingdom come. My dream is to see healing and miracles, salvation, baptisms to see the family of God grow, to see the youth ministry deepen. That's our heart as a church, and they know that's all of our cries. And here they said, teach us, Jesus, teach us how to pray. Uh, someone nine years ago, a lady in a message named Susie, she said that, the, that heaven is thinner between 2 a.m. and 6 a.m., that actually it's easier to access heaven and hear from God before daylight. It's not entirely biblical, but I really like it and I've, I've, I've followed it. And if you're really press into the Bible, it definitely points the fact that Jesus himself was up before daylight and he taught the disciples how to step into that. I've got an outline of this prayer in the next slide. Um, it was the best overview I saw in, in the commentaries that actually, interestingly, in the King James um, translation of the prayer, It starts with praise and worship and it ends with praise and worship. It's by no accident that we sing songs at the beginning and end of church. You might think it's just the the rhythm of the last decades, but actually we're called to start our days in praise and worship. Our Father in heaven, hallowed, adored is your name. That's our posture that we're called to have every day. And that's the start of this prayer. And then there's this prayer that that heaven would come, your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. And it's this bold prayer that the life of heaven would smash and come down on earth just because Jesus brought it and the heaven was opened. Um, the, The term father is actually in Greek, Abba. And it's a title of honor. It's a relational title, our father, Abba, father in heaven. We read in Romans 8 that our, our spirit, the spirit that's poured into us, cries out, Abba. Uh, there's a lady at Ride Baptist Church, and when she prays, she goes, Daddy, 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 Daddy. Thank you, Daddy, Papa, Daddy. And I used to be a little bit scared by her. Um, she's just a lot of Papas and a lot of Daddies. And, and I used to be a bit overwhelmed by it. You find that, might find that hard to believe, but I did. It was just a little bit too much on my uh, out there scale. Um, but recently, I, I've realised that that's her intimacy. It might not be for everyone, but but she calls him daddy. I mean, that's often and obviously going to be Joey's first word, dada. Um, apparently, it's a lot easier to say than mum. But but that that title, daddy. If we really look at our hearts, a lot of us wouldn't quite see God as our daddy. And that's not not to like that's not having a go at anyone or or, or myself, but. We might not call him daddy, but do we feel that kind of like cuddly, loving Abba Father? And for some of us, that that might not be as a natural position for us all, but that is how the Lord's teaching us to pray. You're you're going to be on your own journey, but that's the pursuit, that there would be a loving, gentle, warm, friendly between you and, and God, your heart, your personality, connecting with him, our Father in heaven. the line that really moved me this week as I was researching and reading was we can only bring to earth what we encounter in heaven. We can only bring to our families, our friends, our workplaces, what we encounter in heaven. And the question we have is, you might have is, have I encountered heaven? I used to think that I had not seen heaven. I hadn't tasted heaven. I didn't know heaven. But under... um, a lot of really good teaching and Monty the last few years um, has been passionate about growing and becoming aware of heaven. And as I began to look at the the focus of the kingdom of God and the kingdom of heaven in scripture, that, that God left heaven and came down as Jesus, that the Holy Spirit actually connects us to heaven, changed my belief. It changed my faith. And the God that we're praying to each day The Father's in heaven on the throne, seated next to him at the right is who? Jesus. But Jesus also lives in our hearts. I've been teaching this to the youth and and Hannah's been teaching this to the kids. Jesus lives in us by the Holy Spirit. So Jesus lives in me, but Jesus is also at the right hand throne of God. So how can he be in me and in heaven? because he's seated in heavenly places. But Ephesians 2 says, Paul wrote that you and I are seated in heavenly places. And so right now my physical body walks on earth, but I have a spiritual heavenly connection that every day heaven is walking in and through me. And that's why Jesus said that, that the kingdom of heaven is within you. It's in your midst, the gospels say And if we could believe in our heads and our hearts that the kingdom of heaven is in us and working through us, it'll change everything. It can change absolutely everything. And that's the level of worship we're called into. Dan's been leading worship here since he was four years old. I think he was 14. His pursuit, his dream is that we would be going, Daddy, we praise you at every church service, every day. But church isn't enough. Small groups isn't enough. It's a a posture of worship that everything happens out of our relationship with heaven. It's not a religion, but it's a relationship with heaven. And once we begin to believe that, we know that we've got all the reward, all the power, all the glory, all the gifts of heaven that can affect and change us and change everything and everyone. My dream was that our youth group wouldn't just experience God at camps. Um, It's the standard classic camp high Saturday night. And that's what most youth groups kind of build up all year to a camp where they experience God. And then they kind of dwindle all year long and and then eventually get back to camp. (laughs) And unfortunately, that's a a rhythm. It's a great rhythm. Camps have changed my life. But my dream and my vision from God was that our youth group might experience God on a Friday night um, through friendship, through food, through fun, through joy, but also in powerful ways. Um, Through kingdom ways, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Jesus wouldn't teach us something that he couldn't do and wouldn't do. Yes, it's the now, but not yet. Yes, there's the future to that prayer. But sometimes, uh, and and I've heard incredible teaching that unfortunately, we can sometimes have more faith in the not yet than the now. And therefore, no healing and miracles and power and, and salvation, that's not really as much for now. On Friday night, um, it was in a, we had a combined night the whole youth together and I was just blown away. I was doubting the night, but at the end of the night, I saw 10 or 15 kids go and receive prayer. And, and some of the stories that came out of just Friday night, dealing with anxiety, dealing with bullying, dealing with lies, some of them had said they felt something warm on their hearts. They would felt a new peace. They'd been called a name at school. And a word of knowledge was given and, and, and was called out that you've been called a name today, but that's a lie. And Jesus is giving you a new name. Someone step forward. Because your kingdom come, your will be done right now on earth as it is in heaven. That's what we can take to our workplaces, to our families and our friends. And Jesus asks us to seek that. Church is not the only goal. Church attendance, church growth, we're about the kingdom. The vision of this prayer is way bigger than the centre dural. We're fortunate that, that we're connected with the Solomon Islands for over 15 years. We're connected with nations here. But we want to be connected with dural, with council, with with the politics, with workplaces. Um, there's a couple of girls that work at their um, Apple Store and they're like hyper evangelists, just buzzing and dying to see some staff at Apple saved. And I walked in there because I had some phone issues and these people, they like um, knew me because of my friends and because of the love they were pouring into them. And I was just blown away by their dream that, that the kingdom would come into the Apple store, not just the church. And so this prayer of worship is also a prayer of the kingdom to come. So if I go back to that outline, Jesus was teaching that God's will on earth as it is in heaven can look like these three key ways. Heaven's effect on material needs, our daily bread, our physical and material needs. Heaven's effect on our personal relationships. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. And heaven's effect on our relationship to evil. These are the three core things we're fighting each day. And as a church, we need to confront. We need to confront. I've been amazed to see God provide. I've been amazed over the years. Um, I got to marry my mother-in-law this year. Um, She had been patient. She had been prayerful. Um, And she asked me to marry her to her new husband. They're off in Europe on, I think, second or third honeymoon. They're like more giddy than Emma and I or than the newlyweds at feast. But... Praise God, the way he's provided for her. I've seen that in her prayer life. Give us today our daily bread. Boldly ask for the things on your heart. Psalms, the Psalms say that God will give the desires of your heart. Search your heart and seek and pray for these things. And and who knows what heaven wants to pour in? Um, There's a danger with pregnancy of entering it in fear. And Emma was pursuing to walk into it by faith. And God gave her a psalm five days before she got pregnant, uh, no, before she had the baby and God gave her um, Psalm 46 verse five where it said, I will be with you at the break of dawn. And Emma was like, lovely Psalm, write it down. Maybe it's for me. Um, next minute at 4 a.m., 5 a.m., we're watching the sun rise, and at the break of dawn, we've gone into um, labor early and, and Emma has this Psalm, I will be with you at the break of dawn and suddenly God's word comes alive heaven is coming to earth and we know not to fear but to walk in faith and that's the the, the, the daily um prayer of, of, of give us our daily bread forgiveness i'll fly through and then we're done i got real excited this morning i've gone nuts but i'm going to finish forgiveness is massive i cannot not touch this um forgive them for they uh yeah forgive us our sins as we forgive those who have sinned against us. Not only did Jesus teach this in the prayer, but in verse 14, if you look in Matthew 6, he says, if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will forgive you. But if you do not forgive others of their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. It's one of the most full on teachings in Scripture, and I cannot hide away from that this morning. I cannot This kills the church. This eats the church. This eats relationships. Our Father in heaven cannot forgive us if we hold grudges, bitterness, anger against others. We need to process the heart just like we looked at, I looked at with you. We cannot bury emotions. We cannot bury unforgiveness. And the world is horrible. Some people here this morning have experienced some horrible things, but I'm sorry. Jesus wants to take that to the cross for you and he wants you to hand that over and he wants to begin to minister peace and freedom to that. But if we hold grudges against each other inside and outside the church, it stops God. And it's not just big things to forgive. It's disappointments, it's grudges, it's frustrations and it bleeds into bitterness and name calling and slander and gossip and it eats at the church. And that's why Jesus confronted it. That's why he destroyed the work of the devil. 1 John 3.8. The reason the son of God appeared was to destroy the devil's work. John 8.44. He's the father of lies. He's a murderer. It's his native language, Satan. He wants us to be angry, disappointed, begrudged and bitter. At the youth, I teach them it's like you didn't eat the sandwich your mum made for you. And you hide it in your sports bag. It grows mould and it stinks and eventually your mum finds it and she is more disappointed in the mould that's spread into the house than the fact you didn't eat that lovely sandwich she laboured for in the morning. It will, it will fester and mould in your life and we need to look at our hearts. We need to look at forgiveness. Um, there's an incredible movie, go see it, Wonder. Who's seen it? Oh my gosh. I've signed up for youth ministry for the rest of my life. It's a powerful movie about a child and a family But the teacher says, if you have the choice to choose right or be kind, be kind. If you have the choice to be right or be kind, choose kind. And it's profound. It's a profound philosophical statement that I think is at the heart of Jesus, the heart of his kindness. And finally, I've kind of touched on the relationship with evil. Deliver us from evil. Deliver us from temptation. Deliver us from the father of lies. And then that declaration for yours is the kingdom, the power and the glory forever. Amen. Amen. Why don't we all stand? Band, come on up. I'm going to pray over us. Jesus is teaching us again this morning afresh how to pray. It's as complex and as simple as that. Let's grow how we pray. Let's grow our intimacy into, you, into me you see, Jesus. Into me you see, friends, small groups, mentors, family, workplaces. Into me you see. And Father in heaven, would your kingdom come. I pray this over our hearts this morning. If you want to just close your eyes. I just want to pray right now. The Holy Spirit has been moving and stirring. He's here. He's with us. And the Spirit in us cries out, Abba, Father. There's groans which we cannot understand. But it's a cry for relationship. We're made for it. And we're made for freedom and forgiveness. And so this morning, would we lay that bare right now as we sing? Would we lay this bare? And if, if, if we want help, would we be bold this morning? I just ask that you would ask someone for prayer. Or would you walk to the back and ask for prayer? Step out this morning. Deal with whatever the Lord is stirring. Jesus, we thank you. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father, for sending us your son, Jesus. Teach us intimacy again. Thank you, Jesus.